Hallelujah, hallelujah. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Open Altar Worship Center. Hallelujah. But even greater than Open Altar Worship Center, far greater is being in the presence of God. And great is so great to be here with family, to be here with friends, with our partners. We are just so glad that God has met us here again on today. And we're so glad that you're with us as well. Whether you're here in the building or you're watching on social media, I'm telling you, God is doing great things. God is doing great things in your life right now. You may not see the manifestation, but he is doing marvelous things. And you have to declare that. We have to declare that he is doing great things. I'm going to tell you right now. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take, your yoke, take my yoke upon me and learn of me, you that are meek and lonely in heart, and you shall find rest for your soul. We can get so consumed with these things that boggle our minds. But the Lord is telling us when we take his yoke, our burdens become easy. He says, take my yoke for it is easy and my burden is light. We've got to learn to take on this mind of Christ and let our problems, our situations go through the filter of the word of God. And let his spirit show us how to contribute. We can't control situations, but we can contribute. And that is by going to God for everything. Everything. He says, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So, Father, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we come before you assembled together in this place. As we see the day approaching, Lord, because we know we need you. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. Everything that we need, we find in you. So, Lord, we come, we lay our burdens down, Lord, because you have taken everything, every problem away from us that we are willing to release. When we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you. We open our hearts and our minds. We will find rest for our souls in you on today. Thank you, Lord, for the praise and worship. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for the word that you are going to speak to your people on today. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you enjoy the service. Come on in with us. Stand on your feet. Clap your hands. Do all that you can for the glory of God.
Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to let you all in on a secret. You know, we can't tell everybody everything, but I'm going to let you in on a secret. You know, all too often when things like this happen, and, and for those of you that are viewing on social media, you know, we've had a few glitches this morning. But we are so quick to say, oh, the devil is busy. Oh, the devil done got into the sound system. But every now and then, God throws a wrench into our plans. And he wants to see where we really are. Do you really have me on the inside? Can you praise me when there is no music? Can you praise me when there is no crowd? I remember when I was stationed in Fort Irwin, California, out in the middle of the desert, in September, or excuse me, in 1999, and if you're familiar with California, you've heard about they have these blackouts, and the entire base had no power, and then on this one, and these will last for like two and three days. There is no power, period. And I remember on one night we were having Bible study, and we literally sat there because the Word of God was so rich. And it wasn't me preaching. I'm telling you, I'll give you that caveat right now. It wasn't me. But this man of God was so anointed that we sat there in the dark with candles and flashlights taking notes because we were so hungry for the word of God. So let's not always blame and say, well, the enemy is getting in. The enemy is sometimes God wants to see the word. The Bible tells us thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And Father, if I'm not praising you, I'm not doing everything you want me to do. So this was only a test, y'all. This was only a test. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but the only thing we can ask is, did I pass? Did we pass? And that's between us and you and God. So on this morning, we thank you again for joining us at Open Altar Worship Center. I give praise and honor to God. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit who is here with us right now. I thank God I am Pastor Robert Spady. I give uh, great honor to my beautiful bride, Pastor Wendy Spady. We are here today with our open altar family, and we're going to close out this sermon series on this morning, and we're talking about relationships, relationships. I want to make one quick announcement. Don't forget This coming Saturday, the 26th of March, from 10 to 12, we will be doing our mobile pantry. I keep getting the two mixed up. Mobile pantry. Mobile pantry from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. for two hours. You can come on out, and we're just asking uh, for all of our partners to be in place ahead of time so we can get everything set up. And we know that when we show up at, at... 9.15, 9.30, the community is already here waiting for us. So we want to make sure we put our best foot. We want to make sure we do our very best. So by way of announcements, that's all we have right now. Uh, Pastor Wendy, I will say on Thursday nights, if you all please clear your schedule for just a little time. We want to have a Zoom meeting and just kind of touch bases and bring everybody up to date on some um, new and upcoming events. All right. So let's go before the throne of grace. And then, as we said, we're going to be talking about relationships. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you on today. You are good and you do good, Father, and you desire the very best for your children. And it is your goodness that leads us to repentance. Father, you are not a God of of wrath and judgment. You are. And that's part of you. But you are first a God of grace. And you desire to extend that grace and your mercies to us every single day to show us your love. Show us how great and marvelous you are that we would win others to Christ by letting our light shine. I pray now, Father, that let my lips and my heart and my mind be a conduit that you use. That it is not me, Lord, but you that speaks. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. So we're going to close out this series with one simple topic, and that is relationship expectations. Relationship expectations. So how does it feel? 
Think about it. How does it feel when you first enter into a new relationship? Oh, Sherry's Shoe Shack. Oh, she has all of the greatest shoes and the latest styles. Oh, Katie's Cuisine. Man, that food over there is off the bomb. I want to eat there every day if I could afford it. And guess what, ladies? As you say, I just met Mr. Right. New relationships. We get excited about new relationships. And it's not always about, uh, you know, a man and a woman coming together. It's about people we deal with. Those are relationships, too. But then after a while, Sherry Shushak still got the same inventory. Ain't got nothing new. And they don't have half the shoes in my size. Katie's Cuisine, it's like the last couple of times I went there, it's like the food just didn't taste the same. And Mr. Right, eh, he's all right. Relationships. Relationships. It's what are we doing to cultivate our relationships? So let me ask you this. How was it when you first met God? How excited were you when you first met God? And I don't mean just hearing somebody preach about him, but when you had that first true encounter that says, that's God. Were you in church? Were you home? Were you driving in your car? I've heard so many things about you. I've heard you're a way maker, a miracle worker. You're a heart regulator, a mind fixer. There are over 950 names or titles to God, not just Adonai and Jehovah Rapha, but things like he's the God of our fathers. He is the beginning and the end. 950 things, names and titles we can use to describe God. But he says in Jeremiah 32 and 27, and we're having some glitches, whatever with the scriptures. And if you may not be able to see him, but praise God, there it is. He says, behold, I am the Lord Adonai, the God of what? All flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? That's what I need to know. Because the way I've been doing things for all these years, they've been way too hard for me and I've stumbled along the way. So when we talk about relationship expectations, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have an answer yet. What do you expect from God? What do you expect from God? Because no one enters into a relationship without having some expectations. Now, you may not particularly care for the, your neighbor next door, and you can't help the fact that that person lives next door. But it's a relationship. It's what you cultivated to be. You may not particularly care for the people who work in the section of your building down the hallway. But there is a relationship. But when it comes to God, and I'm telling you, the Lord unloaded this on me about two weeks ago. What do I expect God to do? And, you, and if you're like me, you have to ponder this. God, I have nothing to give you. I've got nothing to give you. So what can I ask of someone to whom I have nothing to offer? It's the first question to ask. But I will say this. The reason why so many relationships break down or break up is because there's a breakdown in communication. The reason why so many relationships break up is because there is a breakdown in communication. And this is verbal and nonverbal communication. If I don't speak to you, I've communicated to you. I don't, have, I don't have anything to do with you, at least for right now. Just by not saying anything. Or by grabbing somebody's hand and shaking their hand and saying, hey, how are you doing? Verbal and nonverbal communications. So I'm going to ask you this question. When it comes to relationships, and I'm kind of teetering back and forth between personal, as in you and a person of the opposite sex, or a working relationship. But... I want to ask this question now. I'm coming to God with expectations. But I wonder this. 
is God going to break up with me? If I don't do what I need to do, is, is God going to break up with me? We've heard of situations. We've heard of people and they're like, why are you so down? It's like, I'm just waiting on that phone call because I think Susie's going to break up with me. Like, why would you think that? Man, I'm just not good enough. I mean, she does this and she does that and she's got her degree and she's got this money and she's got a great family and all that. I don't know what she sees in me. And so we carry that burden around of thinking the other person is going to break up with us. And we should never have be in a relationship where we feel that there is an instability. And God is telling you, guess what? I'm not breaking up with you. How do we know that? People will say, well, you know, they're doing some cutbacks on my job. And, I'm, and, I'm, and they're coming to my department last. And, you know, I've only been there for like two years. So the only thing I can do is just, is just give it to God. Because he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But it goes beyond when you get in trouble. It's from day to day to day. God's saying, what are you doing today? Well, Lord, you know, I got to go to work and I got to do this. Well, guess what? I'm going to be with you the whole way. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's not just in the hard times. It's in the good times. So I want to ask this question, too. How do I know that today that I'm still saved? How do I know today that I'm still saved? Because in some churches, they preach hard. It's holiness or hell. If you don't do this, you're going to hell. If you don't do this, God ain't going to bless you. The reason why you're sick is because you're in sin. And it's like, oh, my goodness, am I saved? Somebody has experienced that. Someone has heard that. Am I still saved? And there are so many scriptures that I could use to to get you to understand this. But take comfort in this. Number one, God is not going to break up with you. He will never, ever, ever break up with you. Because he gave his son to win you. Luke 6 and 45. And I'm reading all of my verses are coming from the New King James Version. But from the New King James Version, Luke chapter 6 verse 45, he says, A good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil. But it's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Remember that part. It's out of the abundance of your heart your mouth speaks. There was a day when you spoke, whether you realize it or not, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And we're familiar with this. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be what? You shall be what? You shall be what? You are saved because you confess the Lord Jesus Christ. And 1 Corinthians 12 and 3, I'm giving you a lot of verses. It says, therefore, I make known that no one speaking by the Spirit calls Jesus accursed. If the Spirit of God is in you, you can't curse Jesus. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So you can't say Romans 10, 9 and 10, excuse me, yeah, Romans 10 and 9 unless the Holy Spirit gives you to say it. Y'all, y'all with me so far? So since you've been saved, how many times have you said Lord Jesus? Too many times to remember. Perfect answer. So rest assured that take the pressure when people say, oh, man, you know, you do this, man. You ain't saved no more. It's like, really? First of all, I don't want to. I'm not going to do that anyway. But we need to take the pressure of ourselves of whether or not we're still saved, because I have an expectation from God that when I die and leave this earth, I'm going to be with him eternity. But that's down the road a little bit. It might be tomorrow. It might be this afternoon. But what I'm really more concerned about was when Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you would have what? Life. And what are we living now? We're living life. He said, I came that you would have life and that more abundantly. 
So as long as I'm continuing to confess Jesus as Lord, I'm still saved. And let me give you this one last one to back that one up. Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. It's out there. The works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions. I'm seeing myself. Jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, hearsays, envy, murderers, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the past, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice these things, the Bible clearly says, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And then where we come into, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against there is no law. So my question to you is this, which one are you practicing? Are you practicing the fruit of the spirit? Are you practicing the works of the flesh? So as long as I'm doing what God tells me to do and bearing good fruit, I have nothing to be concerned about my salvation. There were, there were many times that I would come to a college class and people would sit down and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, the first day of class. And it's like, oh, you know, I don't need this course, you know. Because I've already got my degree. I just need this course. It's like blah, blah, blah. So if I just get a C, I just need a C to get through and get my degree. And I'm, I'm struggling. <laughs> I'm still having a problem coloring in between the lines. But I don't want to do that with God. People sometimes, and I think we all do it at some time, is how close can we get to the line before I sin? I, you know, I, I don't really need this, you know, because, you know, I'm good with God. So I can afford to, to go over here and say, well, you know, Lord, your, your blood, your grace is sufficient for me and your strength is made perfect in weakness. But the Bible also tells us, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. So I want to rest assured if you ever think or the enemy ever puts in your mind, well, you ain't saved. It's like, devil, you a liar. Because you will not. I will not be judged according to my sin. But God's saying, look, I've given you the blood. I've given you my son. I've given you all of these things. What did you do with him? That's our judgment. Jesus paid the price for our sin. And God is not going to break up with us. So when we come to God, I don't need to feel like he's going to condemn me like the rest of the world. So I can come with him with that expectation that, Lord, you're not going to leave me or forsake me. So my first point is this. I know I said a lot before, but this is my first point. No one can replace you. No one can replace you. We know you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Philippians chapter, you can just write this down, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you is able to complete it. Every day, God is working on you to work on the world, to let our light shine. But let's look at 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 29. Again, the New King James Version. I hope you all are getting something out of this. And this is talking about Elijah. Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready. Or or let me give you a little background. There is a Shumite woman who Elijah comes and stays at her house periodically. And she tells her husband, you know something? We ought to build a room so that this man, when he comes to town, he can stay with us. Husband agrees. And so he asks, well, you know, what can I do for you? And she's like, I'm good. My family takes good care of me. And he says, by this time next year, you will have a son. It's like, no, 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 no. My husband's old and, uh, you know, it just ain't happening. And a year later, they have a son. But one day, as the Bible tells us, the young child grew. 
And one day he's out in the field and he's working with his father. And he walks up to his father and says, Dad, my head hurts. My head hurts. So he falls into his father's arms and the boy dies. He brings him back home and shows him to to his wife. And so she in turn calls for Elisha to come. And this is where we pick up in verse 29. Thank you. And then Gehazi said unto her, um, then he said to Gehazi, this is Elijah talking to his servant. That's who Gehazi is. Get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand. Remember that and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him, but lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother child said, as the Lord lives and as my soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her because he asked, like, why am I going now? Today is not the new moon and it's not even the Sabbath. Why do you want me to go now? Then Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore, he went back to meet him and told him, saying, the child has not awakened. And last verse When Elijah came into the house, there was a child laying dead on the bed. Elijah had this idea that my my staff is anointed. Just go lay my staff on the face of the child and the child shall have life. But nothing can replace your hand, your presence, and what God has called you to do. No staff, no car. No Bibles. No one else can do what God called you to do. So when it comes to our godly relationship, or excuse me, our our godly relationship and the expectations, God's saying, I've given a purpose for you. I created a purpose, and then I created you. I created, I didn't just say, okay, Paul, come forth. And it's like, ooh, Paul, we got to find something for Paul to do. God doesn't do that. God says, I have an assignment and Paul will be born into this world. And Paul, this is your assignment. So those are the expectations. And God's saying, no matter what happens, no one can replace you. No one can replace you. You and I have our own individual assignments. And nothing. Nothing can replace that. Number two, in our expectations, we have to speak God's love language. You all have heard of love language? There's five of them. I don't even, I'm ashamed. I'm working, I'm working on, but it's because uh, I don't know all of them. I, I should have wrote them down. But it's things like words of affirmation, touch, gifts, and uh, there's two more. But what is God's love language? What is God's love language? People say, oh, it's love. It's not love. God's love language is faith. You can have faith without love, but you can't love without faith. Because if if, if I'm in that position, it's like, you know, Lord, um, the finances are a little tight this month. Lord, I need you to come through. I need your hand to get involved in my finances. Or, Lord, you know, my car is, is just not acting right, and, and I need to find a good mechanic. I, I don't need you. You've already blessed me, Lord. I'm, I'm not going to say I don't need you, but I just need a good mechanic. I got the finances. I can pay for it, but, Lord, lead me to the right person. That's a prayer. But did it require any love? Required no love. But when someone talks about me behind my back, when someone does something that offends me and hurts me, I have to love them. I don't want to love them. But it takes faith to love them in spite of. The Bible says, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians, you don't, you don't, don't turn there because it's too much to read in the three seconds that I'm going to give you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. 
12 talks about the gifts. 13 talks about love. 14 talks about prophecy. At the end of 13, Paul says, now in the greatest, now abideth faith, hope, and charity, or faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is what? Love. But how is it love? Faith is greater than love. It's by the simple fact is talking to the people at Corinth at the time, they had their, their thought process was misconstrued about the gifts. And Paul is telling them, in order for these gifts to operate properly and for you to do it in the right way, you have to have love. Yeah, the gifts are there, but without love, they don't mean anything. So what does the Bible say about faith? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. What? That he pleased God. That was his testimony. I pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. You want to speak, I want to speak God's love language, faith. Speak faith. Operate in faith. Well, how do I do that? How do I do that? Let me tell you one simple thing. I mean, there's many different areas like, you know, do I believe God for a new business? Am I believing God for a spouse? You know, am I believing God for a sickness in my body? You know, that he heal me? One simple way that we can operate in faith is simply by speaking the word of God. You know, I mean, you're just sitting there eating your breakfast and you just say, by his stripes, I am healed. That's faith. When you say, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who, who loves me and died for me. When I say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When we speak the word of God, we are operating in faith. And guess what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not just me or Pastor Wendy on Sunday morning speaking the word. It's you speaking the word to yourself, not reading it, but speaking it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it goes into your spirit. And after a while, you're like, this thing is working. So that's the expectation that God has for us. And then point number three. Now, we're all adults here, right? Now, in every relationship, we need a little spice and a little variety, right? You don't want hot dogs every night. I do. <laughs> you don't want to just go to work and come home. Hey, honey. Hey. How you doing? Fine. How was your day? Okay. Turn on the news. All right. You want spice and variety, don't you? When you go to a restaurant, it's like, hey, what's... What's the, uh, what's the special for today? I know I always get the ribs and the chicken or I always get the flounder. But what's the special for today? I want some spice. I want some variety. How many of us have ever heard somebody, and, and I probably said it before myself. I'm not going to say I haven't. How many of us have ever heard someone say, God is doing a new thing? Raise your hands. They'll say, you know, some saints, get ready because God's doing a new thing. God's doing a new thing. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 43, verse 16. Because, and, and write this down, Ecclesiastes 1 and 9 tells us there's nothing new under the sun. But the Bible also says in Isaiah, you can put it back up there, in Isaiah 43, beginning at verse 16. This is a story that has a good ending. And I know I'm not saying this right. In beginning at verse 16, thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through mighty waters. Where we, what are we talking about? Run, walking through the Red Sea. All right. 
He made a path through mighty waters. He makes a way in the sea and a path in mighty waters. Who brings forth the chariot and the horses and the army and the power. They shall lie down together and they shall not rise. They went through. He drew them in by following the children of Israel. But they are extinguished and they are quenched like a wick. And as soon as God told Moses to raise his staff and the waters closed, guess what? The armies of Pharaoh and Pharaoh, not like the movie Ten Commandments where Pharaoh went, goes back to the palace. Pharaoh dies. And when the waters cover the horses, the chariots, and the soldiers, God says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. They're dead. Y'all understand that? They are dead. And then he goes on to tell them what? Behold, I will do a new thing. Now shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So take into context what God is saying. God ain't doing nothing new. He's just saying, your Pharaoh, your soldiers, your chariots that followed you from the day you were born till the day that you gave your life to me. He says, if any man, therefore, be in Christ, he's a new creature. Oh, behold, all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Second Corinthians 5 and 17. Your new thing is you gave your life to Christ. God is not doing anything new. Let me, let me put it like this. And, and I have these examples. If I get my notes straight. Revelations chapter 4, verse 11. And if anybody asks, this is my favorite scripture. I'm sorry, I forgot to change that at the bottom. It's not Isaiah. It's Revelations chapter 4, verse 11. Thou art worthy, and this is the King James Version. I like the way it says this better. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created, past tense, has created all things. And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. They are and were created. Prime example. And we all can identify with this. Let me have that next slide up there. Iron was discovered, and that's what the D stands for. Iron was discovered in 3000 B.C. Lead, discovered 7000 B.C. Copper, 9000 B.C. Zinc, seven four, uh, excuse me, it was discovered in 1746. Aluminum was invented in 1854. Plastic in 1907 all of these things were here but it wasn't until 1973 that we got what hold on just a second you got it you got it sure okay i tell i tell people if, if you can't write that fast just pull up your phone and take a picture but in 1973 what did we get the cell phone but wait a minute everything was already here the iron, the zinc, the lead, the copper, 1907, they invented the plastic. The materials were already there. It wasn't until we tapped into it that we come up with a cell phone. It's not until we tap into it. God says all things by his hands, they are and were created. For God, for God has created all things. It's just that we haven't. We haven't tapped into it. It's already there. We're looking for God. God, I want you to do a new thing. God's saying it's already there. You just need to tap into it. By his stripes, Isaiah says, by his stripes, we are healed. Peter said, by his stripes, we were healed. You're already healed. You just haven't tapped into it. We just haven't tapped into it. Anything we want. God, I'm believing you for, and I've seen this happen. In fact, I think I've been the recipient of it a couple of times. You've heard about people like, 
Man, they just hired me on this job. It's like, really, what are you going to be doing? I don't know. They created a position for me. They like my interview. They like my resume. They created a position just for me. There are so many things out there. Your house wasn't built 500 years ago, but the wood was there. The trees were planted. The plastic was being made. The glass was there. But it took someone tapping into it, getting those resources and putting them together and putting them on a lot. And the place that you live is there. Everything we need is already in existence. But we have to learn to tap into it. And my expectation is that Lord will continue to reveal himself. But the bottom line, the bottom line is this. I'm only going to get out of God what I put into God. Okay. Now, there's, here's where the rubber meets the road. What is all of this in, in everything I've said? What does all of this really look like? I'm going to give you two examples. One natural and one spiritual. In 2019, November 2019, I made the decision, Robert Spady made the decision that I no longer wanted to be with my wife, Wendy Spady. So we walked into a lawyer's office and we signed papers. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. Remember what I said? The reason for so many breakups is a breakdown in communication. How you doing? Fine. How was work? Okay. Is dinner ready? Nope. Turn on the TV? Okay. Ready to go to bed? See you later. For 18 years, no effective communication. A few months after we were separated, the Lord said, you know that old wedding band you have? That you don't like to wear because it cuts your finger. Literally, it would cut my finger. Lord said, go buy a new wedding band. I was like, ah, okay, okay, okay. So I'm thinking, all right, and I have a budget. <laughs> I have a budget. This is how much I must spend. And I was going to pay cash. And you know, when, when you pay cash, there's no record. So the woman says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got this ring here and these rings here. I was like, okay, well, what about that one there? She said, oh, okay, this one's nice, too. She says, I, and you know, they're always going to tell you, oh, I love this ring. I was just showing it to somebody yesterday. And the woman told me this, and I didn't get this concept until two days ago. She said, this is discontinued. There's no more rings like this. Pastor Wendy is discontinued. There's no more like her. So I'm like, okay, this ain't how much I plan on spending. <laughs> I plan on paying cash. Stop whispering over there, y'all. And so I make the purchase. The next time I go in and I check my credit score, my credit score went up. Because I financed it, there's a record. My credit score jumped 50 points. Because I'm in relationship with God. I'm sorry. For what I did to my wife. I'm sorry for what I did to the church. But I'm still in relationship with God. God didn't break up with me. He did not break up with me. He's like, you're going to get your act together. And while my dad was still living, I remember one night, it was about two o'clock in the morning. I'm laying on the couch and I can't sleep. And, and that's not uncommon. I wake up in the middle of the night. And the Lord told me specifically, he said, do not be in contempt of heaven's court. I'm going back to sleep. And the Lord said, do not be in contempt of heaven's court. He put us together. And God's saying, no, if you walk away from this, you're in contempt of court. You walk away from your wife, you're in contempt of court. And I'm like, okay, Lord. 
Say no more. And the Lord said to me, do not be in contempt of heaven's court. I was like, okay, Lord, I got it. He said, do not be in contempt of heaven's court. The Lord must have told me that 20 times. God did not break up with me. And now that Pastor Wendy and I are back together, the love was always there. But we hadn't tapped into it. We hadn't tapped into it. Now we can talk. Now we can say, you know what you just did? I didn't like that. That offended me. We have learned to communicate. We go out on date nights now. Because we failed when we come into a relationship. No one, as I said, no one enters a relationship without levels of expectation. And we failed to express what our expectations were. We failed to communicate. So what about with God? I gave you the natural. I give you the spiritual. What are we expecting God to do for us? Because first of all, as I said, the the scripture tells us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So stop thinking that the day because you had a bad day because you cussed out your neighbor and you, you, <laughs> you did some things that you don't even want to tell anybody about. And when I say you, I'm talking to me too. But what does 1 John 1 and 9 say? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Lord, yeah, we had a, I had a bump in the road but you are always there. You are very present help in trouble. So God's like, oh, so where, where are we going from here? Well, Lord, I'm, I, I got to get back in your face. I got to get back in your presence. But we have to have expectations from God. I don't know what it looks like for you. I don't know what it looks like for you. I'm not even sure what it looks like for me. This is this has got to be the hardest question that I've ever been asked in my entire life. What do I expect from God? But I can tell you this. You did not get saved with nothing, expecting nothing. We don't get saved like, oh, it's something to do on Sunday. I just go to fo- I just go to church because I'm just waiting for the football games to come on. No. We come because we know there's power. We get in the presence of God and in the midst of other believers, like-minded people. So I'm done. I'm done. I truly hope that we understand. When we start thinking about relationships, think about expectations. Think about expectations. Learn to speak God's love language. Uh, I don't even know how much I printed off my pages. Anyway, understand that nobody can replace you. Speak God's love language, which is faith. And then finally, keep some spice in it. Keep some spice in it. It's like, you know something, Lord? You know what I'm going to do? He already knows our thoughts are far off. You know what, Lord, I'm going to do? I'm going to turn the TV up and I'm going to pray. And God's like, really? You're going to do that for me? Even though the Holy Spirit told you to do it? You're going to be obedient? Oh, my goodness. And God's like, oh, yes, yes, yes. I love you. And if I had another son, I'd send him too. And I'm just making that up, y'all. I'm just making it up. You know what day I'm going to do today, Lord? I'm going to turn down my plate. I'm a fast. Not so, not, not, not so you can hear from me, but that I can hear from you. Remember, we got to everything we need. You believe in God, I mean, and I'm just being honest. If you believe in God for a million dollars, God's not going to just tell you to go to Kinko's and put a dollar bill on the, on the copy machine. And God's not going to tell you to rob a bank. And I'm telling you honestly, if you're thinking for other ways that, oh, yeah, there's going to be a bag of money on the side of the road. No, that, that money belongs to somebody. But God's saying that money is already out there because I've already created it. 
But I've got to get some things in line, in position. Because somebody's got your million dollars. I've just got to find the person who says, I've got to find Ray and give him his million dollars. I've got to find four people who have a quarter of a million dollars and say, I don't know why I'm giving this to you. But everything we need in God, we just have to tap into it. It's already there. Your healing is already there. By his stripes, you were healed by those lashes that Jesus took. Father God, we come before you right now because we have expectations of other people who will do their very best to help us. But they are human like us and they can fail. Not that they do it intentionally, but they can have hiccups in their schedule. But Father, you are always there. Some people have have not even understood that As it says in Acts 19 and 2, have you received the Holy Spirit? And the people said, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. They haven't tapped into the man, the person, the spirit that is. Not the man, but the spirit that's already there. God, I'm not looking for you to do anything new. But I just want to step into the river of your anointing and go with that flow. Submerge myself, immerse myself in your presence. I don't know, Lord, what tomorrow holds. I don't know what this afternoon holds. But I'm coming to you, expecting you, Lord, if nothing else, to do what your word says. I will have my individual request for healing. For salvation for loved ones. But Lord, I'll never stop seeking your face. And I will never stop loving you. So Father, for those under the sound of my voice who have heard this message. And perhaps don't know you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. That if they would just declare, say, Lord Jesus. I come to you now broken and hurt. I give you my life. I take your yoke upon me and I will learn of you because I will find rest for my soul because your yoke is easy and my burden is light. Your burden is light. So, Lord, I give this to you. Use me as you please in Jesus' name. And Father, for those right now under the sound of my voice who need a healing, physical, emotional, psychological, your word declares, by his stripes, I was healed. You may not see it happen right away, but believe God and continue to confess his word. I am healed from my past. The soldiers of my past have been drowned into the sea and I'm forgetting the former things. And you have done a new thing in my life. I receive it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. And I thank every one of you that is watching this message. Have expectations for relationships you get into. Neighbors, friends, co-workers, even your own family members. Have expectations. But don't, let me put this out here. Don't have such a high expectation that they can't fulfill them. Do not set expectations for them that they cannot fulfill. If they don't have a job, they're not working. Don't expect them to loan you money. 
And if they act a certain way and they're not saved, it's evident. But even have expectations for yourself when you enter into a relationship. So we thank you, we love you, and we look forward to seeing you again should the Lord delay his coming. Be blessed. We'll see you all next Saturday, 10 o'clock, for our mobile pantry. Be blessed. Have a wonderful week.